2: Terms and
1: conditions apply. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, has their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated BF Goodrich All-Terrain TA KO2. But did you know they sell other automotive products as well? Wheels, brakes, and suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, just go to TireRack.com slash sports, TireRack.com Broadcast live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. Unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Uh, Victor Webinyama said something that's making the rounds everybody's talking about. I'll get to that in a moment. Welcome in to the boys. You got Dan Beyer. You got Jason Stewart. You got John Ramos. You got your boy, Doug Gottlieb. Man, what a treat last night, Um, I do think that both all of you guys would have been a little bit jealous of your boy, uh, as you guys know. I'm visiting some friends and uh, checking out some uh, my alma mater, Oklahoma State, in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And one of my dear friends who popped on yesterday on the show is seven-time All Star and four-time Silver Slugger Matt Holiday. And his uh, oldest son Jackson, who was the number one overall pick in last year's amateur draft, is home from Double A after playing the Futures game, and so. Like okay, do you watch an all star game? Generally my answer is no. Do you watch an all star game when you can watch it with Matt Holiday and Jackson Holiday and Ethan, his his younger son, is is his second oldest, uh, who's likely to be a first round draft pick uh, as well. Also watching the game, you're like, This is unbelievable. Just I, I, w- I got a better chance to listen to the chatter than you guys did, even though they had they had everybody mic'd up. Miked up. Uh, Victor Webinyama in a second. Just real quick. Jay Stu, Dan Byer, John Romans. You guys are gigantic baseball fans. Like, I like baseball. I watch baseball. I mean, it's hard because my angels, you know, it's the same thing on repeat. It's seemingly every year. But I can't tell you that I'm a, like, I can't do the fantasy baseball thing because I don't follow it close enough. Um, Byer, this one's for you especially. In the, in the all-time uniforms, that felt like bottom five. Yeah,
0: I was told Navy and black don't match. Never wear Navy with black, yet the National League, the American League looked fine. I'm not a huge fan. I like it when the NBA wears the same uniforms, but I like the Major League Baseball All-Star game when they wear all different ones. But the American Leagues were fine. I don't know what they forced the National League to wear.
1: Why didn't they just have them wear the white pants or... You know, have one do the gray you know, like like if you're in Major League Baseball, like okay, road team wears gray, we're okay, like that's what they do.
0: That and that used to happen, and it was a little boring. I remember covering an All Star game 15 years ago, and Adrian Gonzalez was the lone representative of the Padres. Every team in the National League had a gray jersey except San Diego, so they were all in gray, and they had like a sand colored. It was when they were navy and yeah. like this, you know, light brown. But now you have so many different. You know, you have throwbacks, a lot of teams wearing baby blue. You could really spice it up, but I think it's, again, just to sell more stuff. The batting helmets with A's and N's on them for American and National awful. League. Awful. Yeah. What are they doing? I thought the A looked like, and you guys would know more about this, is it the Avengers? Yes. yes. Like it looked very much like that
3: font. Avengers Campus.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it really did. The Avengers fund. All right. That one was right up your alley. Uh, what about you, Jay Stu? Like you're not afraid to speak your mind, even for the network, which we share our name with. What would you think of, of the game, the broadcast?
4: Yeah, no, I thought the game was good. First of all, I thought that um, Diaz with the Rockies was some of the most genuine um, sports moments you'll ever see. Like he reacted after he hit that home run like I would have. Um, he didn't do the whole baseball ruse of acting like you've been here before or being stoic. So I, do you I, think cause it's because he I knew he was going
1: to win the MVP and get a car?
4: Maybe. I don't know.
1: That's what we we're, were trying to figure out is, like, he is psyched, but is he just psyched because he, he knows he's going to win the MVP and then get a car?
4: <laughs> I thought I think it was just genuine. He's 32 years old. He's waited a long time for this, and that happened, and I thought that was a cool moment. Uh, but I think Fox kind of – it made the game a little bit overwhelming for someone like me. And it. And I'll explain. I I am a guy that the game kind of sells itself. I will tune in for the game and see what happens. I know I'm not the demo that, that baseball wants. Uh, it's a demo that probably baseball would like to try to ease out. Now, Fox overwhelmed me with their coverage. I just don't think you need a microphone on a player every inning. I think that they were three for 10. They batted 300 with in-game interviews. And in baseball, 300 is good. In TV, it's not good. Uh, There were a lot of zeros, a lot of uh, uninteresting uh, banter and comments. So for me, the watch, I think they're trying to be too young. They're trying to be too irreverent. And this analogy is going to sound weird because – I think it's almost like they're allowing the inmates to run the prison in this respect. They are taking the lead of the young, colorful players in the game, and they're just kind of allowing that to become this, become the broadcast, become the sport, and they're alienating people like me. I spent my entire life playing and watching the game, and it just it's a much less comfortable watch for me. So that's it.
1: Um, okay, uh, let me let me before John Ramos. Before I get to you, because I know you watch. And oh yeah, by the way, if I haven't said it, congratulations to you and your son winning the district the other day. That's amazing. It's amazing.
3: Yes, yeah, very stressful too. But you know how that is, Coach. When you coach it in three or four games on this on a Sunday weekend, where you you're up by one point or down by one with like 13 seconds left to go. I'm sure it's stressful as well so but yeah it was it was a stress test for coach Ramos here
1: It it is but I mean it's it's one of those things I have a, a one of my best friends in the world is a former teammate of mine uh, Brian Montanati he coaches at Owasso High School in in outside of Tulsa Oklahoma and his son Jalen is a top 10 uh, I guess it's 202 2026 no two yeah 2026 so he's yeah he'll be a sophomore next year and we were talking about it. You know, he's like, you know, I don't know his senior year. Do I send him to prep school because he's going to be so good? And I was like, dude, coach your son as long as you can coach your son. Like you don't. And for you, John, you I mean you're not going to coach your son in high school? Unless, no. You know, um, but to coach him in that moment and to be a part of it, that had to be had to be special. Um, I, I would say I love the mic'd up stuff, like. I, I love. They had Soto mic'd up, and he had like four balls hit his, hit his way. I thought that was that was cool. Uh, then they had uh, who they had. They had Mookie talking, Mookie Betts talking to Freddie Freeman. That was that was pretty cool. Although Freddie kind of cheesed, kind of JJ wadded it, kind of cheesed it up. It's like, come on, dude. Like we, I know you know you're mic'd, but you don't have to go that that cheesy for us. Uh, the one that I thought they missed on was they went to A Rod. Poppy and then Jeter and Jeter was really funny because Jeter's like, why are we talking about the weather? But they they kind of missed the home run that was right. You didn't have a clear shot of the foul ball that they thought was a home run because they're covering those three dudes. So it's a hard thing. But I I thought you have to try some stuff because you're a like a P1 listener, uh, Jace, 2 You're going to watch no matter what. And they're trying to get other people in. And it wasn't, I thought the mic'd up stuff is, was cool. I thought some of the execution wasn't great. But having live conversations with guys playing baseball, that's pretty cool. It's really cool. All right, let's get to the Victor Webanyama And then we'll, we'll, we'll get back to Ramos because I do have, to, I have time for Ramos up, up, upcoming. Um, Wemby spoke to the media yesterday. He had this to say. Remember, he's been shut down for the rest of the summer league after the second game was an outstanding game. First game, a bit, bit disappointing. Here's Victor Webanyama comparing the American game to FIBA.
0: First of all, the court is more open. Uh, it's going fast, but it's it's less physical. And uh, I'm, I get fouled a lot, but not as much. <laughs> Nothing to compare. And uh, yes, and people are, people are here, people like players are just flying, you know. Out there is more on the ground, pushing on the ground, big box house. Here it's
1: great athletes, the best in the world. More, way more talent, but uh, I like this better though. So, w- what has people, uh, what have is their panties in a bunch, is the fact that a guy is talking about American basketball and NBA basketball when he hasn't actually played in an NBA game, right? I mean, that's that's a real thing. You're like, what are you talking about? Did you play two summer league games? But the general premise of what he's saying. Is accurate. Now, first of all, I've actually played overseas. i played—now, France is not the most physical league. France is actually a very athletic league in comparison to Spain, Turkey, Russia, where I played. Uh, Israel can be very physical. But the point should be well taken. Like, you are kind of commenting on something that you haven't really seen. On the other hand, he is right, right? Like, there's—when you have better athletes, it's—by design, it's supposed to be less physical, Because go back to the early 2000s when Jordan retired. It was crazy physical. Scores were in the 70s and 80s. And everybody's like, dude, we got to stop this because nobody wants to watch an NBA game where somebody scores, you know, in the 70s and wins. That's not a good watch. So by design, he's right. But he might, it's right message, probably wrong messenger. And it's also a classic case of, You know, we just read the quote and don't listen to the context. His context was, best athletes in the world. I like this better. A lot more space. But there it's more on the ground, boxing out. And, oh, yeah, by the way, they don't have a legal defense. So you have real zones. Uh, The big guys are a lot more physical. And a lot of the the, the national players are more physical because they're not as athletic. And you have to make up for that lack of athleticism by banging on somebody's body. You know? um anyway that's what i that's what i i i believe he what he said is accurate and you know he didn't say what's what's interesting is if you say somebody's more physical instinctively instinctively we will say hey that means he's, as Americans, he's saying Americans are soft. We're not soft. Frenchies are soft. They flop all the time. That's not what he's saying. He's saying just in terms of physicality. And he is 100% accurate. 100% accurate. Last year this time, as you guys know, I was broadcasting from Israel. And every game was more physical than the next. And it's like, it's the, it's the same It's the same sport, but a different game because of the way it's officiated. It's crazy. And, you know, what's interesting about, like, the flopping and selling of call styles that so many foreign teams do, and, and of course, it's had some influence, is one thing that those players do, more so than American, American players that flop, like Marcus Smart, you know, they don't take contact as much. Whereas the, like, the Argentinians, the French, the... Lithuanians, uh, they don't flop as much or whatever. They actually create contact and then they fall back. And so you're actually, when you get called for a foul, you're like, wait, not only did I not foul somebody, but that guy actually banged into me in order to create the contact to make it look like I fouled him back. Wemby's right. It's just a hard message to receive because, well, of the way he looks, you know, real thin. And... Uh, frankly, because he hadn't played a game in the NBA yet. This show is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save. Progressive.com. All right, Ramos, uh, did you enjoy watching the All-Star Game last night?
3: Yes, I loved the All-Star Game. I It's funny because when I was a kid, I would video all, I would record all of the All Star games on VHS tape uh, every every, even though I watched the game, I would still record it. So I had like the All Star games from, like 1980 to like 2001, I think, or something like that. Because obviously, I got o- I got older and I I just didn't have time anymore to do it. But um, I yeah, it was, they're great. Hmm. But everything you said about what Dan said about the uniforms, just I agree. Just. Where I couldn't
1: just even tell. Your I mean, I know uniforms.
3: I know what team they are on. But like, if you look at their their uniform, like the like for instance, Will Smith. I'll just use him as an example. The LA is on the right shoulder, right. So you can barely see it. And then he has another LA on his pants, but it's like right up in the corner, like toward toward his uh, you know hip area. It's hard to see that stuff. You can't really see it. So I mean, if you're just a casual viewer and you don't know who Will Smith is, you're saying to yourself, and you probably are saying, what team does he play for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah no
1: I, I, you know you had to wait for the hat, but then the hats are muted because they're all the same hat with just a different logo I just i, I you know look, I didn't think they were good. I think they should wear their their own uniforms. I think they outthought themselves. I actually think that I, I would love to see you know everybody says what Dan says, which is probably accurate they sell actual all star jerseys there, but you mean to tell me that if you have some killer all star patch like I remember going to the Dodgers World Series Game 2, which year was this? This is like uh, 2000, what was it, 17 they were in the series? Was that the
3: Red Sox series? Yeah. Yeah, 17. Yeah. No, 17 was the Astros. I think 18 was the uh, Red Sox.
1: Yeah. So I remember going to the, I I went to Game 2 at Dodger Stadium. And when you went to buy a hat, like my son's like, hey, can I get a hat? Yeah. So you go and, and, you know, at the game, like a regular hat's like 40 bucks. But then a a hat with the World Series logo is like 60 bucks. Right? And then you're sitting there going like, well, I don't want to pay 40 bucks for a hat. I can, you know, but if I'm going to buy a hat at the World Series, why wouldn't I just buy one with the World Series logo on it? (laughs) That's true. Right? And like, I don't think a logo is worth 20 bucks, but I'm also, I'm not going to get a World Series logo anywhere else. So to dan to your point of they sell more uniforms you're probably right but couldn't they sell more if they had some really cool like all-star game logo that only went on those players uniforms maybe would- yeah
3: I mean, Dan, when we went to the All-Star Game in San Diego, all the players were Padres colors. That The teams were dressed in that gr-
0: brown, right? Brown and gold. They used to just for the home run derby and batting practice. Okay. And I believe it's just recently. I know in Colorado uh, a few years ago when the All-Star Game was there, they had unveiled the new uniform. And uh, last year, the Dodgers. Remember, it was like black and gold. I think. Yeah, the gold like Hollywood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so this is like somewhat recent. But I thought back then that they actually still wore their regular jerseys for the game for the Home Run Derby. I think you know they've worn you know what they wore, but they wore the Home Run Derby. They wore the regular jerseys during Home Run Derby on Monday, so they kind of switched it. It's
1: weird. Yeah. Also, I mean, like you know. Uh, and I was talking to Matt yesterday, and he was just like, I don't get why you just don't wear those for BP, you know, and then for the game you change into your, your uniform. I thought they
0: were warm-up pants at first. Like, I,
1: <laughs> I, I thought it was they were so weird. Like, it was so weird. Like, up, you like black. I, look, I don't mind the black. It was like black and, and a dark, like you said, navy blue. Like what are we doing here? Right? Like you wear the black with a light top. Like I don't know a lot about, or you wear it all black. You know, All black would have been cool. But the black with the blue is so weird. But again, I just, I don't understand. Just wear the regular uniforms. It's really cool. Like the whole thing of Major League Baseball. And, and this is a little bit of what, Jay Stu, what you said. Right? Remember the core, not just your core audience, but the core of who you are. Like baseball hat. Right? Baseball is synonymous with hat. And the coolest part of Major League Baseball, without any question, the one thing that is and remains cool is all the different hat designs, right? Like there is, I have long one. I've never done, I haven't done it yet. Like I, I kind of want to get every team's hat, I, like a fitted hat, because they're all cool. In their own way, they're all cool. And then you get like an exposed ones or whatever. Like taking that completely out of the thing. Forget about the uniforms. Just at least wear the hat. You know where the hat's like, dude, what are we doing here? I just, it's one of those, I'm sure in a boardroom, or maybe it was on a group chain email, Right? What do you guys want to do with uniforms? Well, you know, we think calculation. We sell more if we make our own, and let's try these colors. And here's the all-star uniform, and everybody just kind of goes in line, like, oh, we. Sell, like, then you're like, no, keep it simple, stupid. Be sure to
2: catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs>
1: What up with your Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're doing great. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcasts live every day from the Tireac.com studios. Tireac.com. Unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection. Over 10,000 recommended installers. Tireac.com. It's the way that tire buying should be. Welcome in. This is a Wednesday. That's the middle of the week, the middle of the day. The Midway's coming up in, in one moment. A uh, quick reset of everything kind of going on. Obviously, today is known as the deadest day in sports, right? Uh, which we'll get to why that's important with our Midway discussion. Coming off the All-Star Game, nationally won for the first time since 2012. That seems crazy. It, it legit seems crazy. It is not crazy, but it seems very, very crazy to actually think about it in that like, really, like, really, yeah, really, really, really. Anyway, um, and then uh, the big story today is Seth Wickersham, of course, talented writer, ESPN.com has all of the details with some, some kind of redacted, not necessarily redacted, but covered up stuff in terms of who done it, but it shows you what led to the Gruden firing. And how it affected the Washington commanders finally changing ownership groups as Dan Snyder was, was forced to sell. All right, more on that to come. Let's get to the Midway.
0: Stuck in the middle with you.
2: It's time for. Stuck in the middle.
6: The Midway.
1: Okay, here's what I want to do for the Midway, guys. It's kind of open conversation. Dan Beyer, Jason Stewart, John Ramos, myself. Guys, tonight's the Espies. Tonight's the Espies. And I, I'll give you my thoughts on the ESPYS in a second, but the idea of the ESPYS was probably a good one, right? The most famous part of the ESPYS was Jim Valvano's speech, um, but the idea was, hey, this is a day which there's no sporting events taking place, and if we put it on in LA, and they've had it in New York too, if we put it on in a big city, we can get all these players, and it'll be kind of the nation's sports awards show. They've had comedians hosted. They've had athletes hosted to, to, to varied degrees of success. Tonight, they have no host. No host. That's an interesting one. Um, I, I want to kind of compare and contrast because then you have hard knocks that, again, no one wanted to do. And now the Jets have hard knocks. That was announced today. Let, let's start with uh, your thoughts ESPYs-wise, right? Were you ever into the ESPYS, uh, Dan Byer?
0: Um, maybe like the first year, and that was about it. I loathe the ESPYS. I can't stand them. Everything about it just annoys me.
1: Why? I mean, I'm, again, I'm I'm not pushing back on it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I get that. Like I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of award shows, uh, in particular. Uh, Emmys, Oscars, stuff like that don't necessarily care. Uh, I think it's you know people who who live on a pedestal are placed even higher on a pedestal, and I feel that it's the same way with sports. But the difference between sports and say acting—I know this is yeah. This
1: is what I was going to say, but go is do it. that unleash
0: it. Is that the NFL does give away an MVP award. Major League Baseball does give awards for what they do, and now we're giving out more awards like in. I mean, it's in. I, I well, just
1: can, can I can I can I there, there's you made a point. Let me make one more point to go along with that's it. It's fine. Sports has a scoreboard. Okay. Yes. The idea of award shows is there's no real scoreboard, and so this is the way of creating like, a, hey, we thought this was the best album of the year. We don't have to do the, you know, I mean, and I guess you could say, well, we don't we compare sports, whatever. That's an impossible comparison. So dumb. The sports has a scoreboard. We don't need additional awards outside of the awards that already exist it's just kind of a made-up show i'm i'm, I'm so with you on this um what about you uh, what about you jay Stu? are you going to push back and say you love the you love the espies
4: no but i do want to answer kind of the question that's coming and that is should the espies go away and i think the answer to the question uh the answer to that question is yes and the it should have been done in 2005 or whenever it started it's like a it's a it's like a look at me in the worst way it's ESPN look at us and it's it's kind of like athletes look at us and I don't want to look at you I, I don't and I, I'm not interested in tuning in for that and I think that there's like a one thing the Espies it should be kind of like a, I don't know, a rude awakening or whatever. No one gives a crap about the Espies. In other words, if, um, I don't know, Eli Manning were to come on tomorrow... And you, you're going to list a two-time uh, Super Bowl winning. You're going to list maybe a Pro Bowl. Will you ever get around to listing the ESPYs? He also won two ESPYs. They're <laughs> irrelevant. They are as empty as a yeah. piece of paper that is handed to them. I think ESPN thought that it was going to become a Grammy or an Oscar and that there was going to be some kind of uh, significance to it. And it's just as empty, if not more irrelevant, than it was the first year they started. It
1: was so good. I mean, it was so good just because you, the, the best part, you, point you made is, is like, again, when you say what somebody won for their career, not only is it not brought up, it's not even thought about. Like, nobody goes like, hey, how many SPs did he win? Great point. Ramos?
3: I would say this reminds me, these awards remind me of um, – I'm not sure if it's the Golden Globes or, or one of the awards. Where it seems like you have to tell them that you're going to win, right? Is that the way it works, or do they just show up? Because if we know in the Oscars and stuff, the Grammys, I don't think we know who's going to win. Like it's sealed. It's there's tabulations done by other you know people in the in the uh, the world of acting and stuff. This one seems like unless they know they're going to kind of win that they probably wouldn't show up. I, I could be 100% wrong on that. I don't know the exact way it works, but it just seems like one of those, hey, you're going to win tonight, so you need to show up. And in that case, then everything everybody else has said kind of comes more into fruition to be like,
1: uh eh, you know. All right, since we all don't like the SBS, I think that's painfully obvious, <laughs> right? Who do you think's going to win best team? Um, I'm kidding. What about Hard Knocks? See, I think Hard Knocks, I actually think Hard Knocks is still super popular. I just think this is one of those: why are we letting the NFL profit off it when we can do it ourselves? You know, and then we can also kind of make the narrative what we want it to be. I think there's a gigantic difference between the two. I I also think that the
0: SBS are popular with a certain audience that is just not any of us for. Um, But I I do enjoy Hard Knocks. But like anything, some are better than others. I I mean the Lions it just happened organically. Nobody thought last year like, sweet, the Lions are in hard knocks. This is gonna be awesome. And nobody nobody said that. And it was awesome. It was a really good watch, and then you're following their story throughout. I think sometimes when people have expectations for it, it sets you up for a letdown because it's just it is what it is. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's Maybe not as juicy as you would have hoped.
3: By the way, that's why people are getting pushback right now against like the Indiana Jones stuff like that because I think people do walk in with that movie thinking of high expectations and, and they it's never going to meet Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's never going to meet The Last Crusade. But it, from what I've heard, it's, it's a really good movie, but people just have such high expectations that it gets knocked down. And your point, Dan, is great, which is people walked in with no expectations and they were pleasantly surprised.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I, I love hard knocks. I, I think, Dan, you tell me if I'm wrong. I think that the only thing people thought going into the D- Detroit one was, we're going to get some great Dan Campbell stuff we can make fun of Dan Campbell about. Yes. You know, I thought people thought he was a clown. And then you're like, I, I, I actually really, really like him. And I like their team, which is what that's what's happened every year with hard knocks. Like, somehow, we've gotten to this, well, you know, it's a distraction. I actually think saying it's a distraction is a distraction from the truth, and the truth is all these teams are hiring their own production company to do their own version of Hard Knocks because they can make money off it, and they can put the narrative of however they want, and it it, it still has the same effect where you end up falling in love with the players. The only difference is the the volume of promotion and the the wider span of audience, instead of kind of uh, preaching to the choir, it's preaching to a group where you're going to reach out and make make and uh, and make new fans. Like I I think it's really the hard knocks thing is really interesting. Like think of the teams that struggle to break through, and uh, as you guys know. Me and Jay Stu are huge fans of the Chargers. Like the Chargers should volunteer to be on Hard Knocks all the time. One, they got a stud quarterback. Two, they got some unique personalities and whatever. And three, they could use all the help they they could get. But for whatever reason, it's it's one of those two things we know are cool in life, right? One, to say you grew up poor. There is no human being that's like, man, I grew up rich. I grew up loaded. Everybody grew poor. And the other is to say you don't want to be on hard knocks, even when you want to be on hard knocks.
0: I also think that how these stories develop is a big deal. Like On the surface, when we look at stuff, you're like, oh, this guy could be funny. And that's not what it's about. What actually draws you in is, how good is this story about this player? Does something happen behind the scenes when we see what happens if there is... An arrest or a fight or something that goes on and how a coach handles it, like when Joe Philbin and the Ocho Cinco stuff in Miami, like that is that is compelling stuff that you do not get to see. We get to see Rob Gronkowski joke all the time, you know, using him as a former player. But so like seeing him at Hard Knocks, I'm like, can't wait to see what Gronk does. Well, you see it every week. It's the stuff of what happens turmoil-wise. Maybe a rookie is out of shape and not getting reps and and falling down the depth chart. Like All of that is like, you know, it's so intriguing and appealing. And if you could just find those stories or have those stories, it can make for a really good season.
3: Do you guys think that Aaron Rodgers will be on his best behavior for this hard knocks? Or do you think that he will be just the Aaron Rodgers we've been hearing about for the last year is kind of off the cuff, kind of like in his own little world type of stuff.
1: The Midway. That's Uh, a hard call. Uh, What do I think?
4: I don't think Aaron Rodgers could could help himself from being kind of that snarky, sarcastic guy that we see. I think he, he could try to be on his best behavior, but I do think he'll give us some good content. I really do. I think that there's going to be Aaron Rodgers' like controversy that comes out of this, because I don't think he could help himself. I think it's just kind of the way he's wired.
1: I just yeah. I do. I think. What, what was your question though, John? Do is he
4: going to be do I do I his think? best behavior, or is he going to be? Is he going to be like working hard you
3: know? to make people like him, or is he just going to be Aaron Rodgers and be the free for all kind of like you know? You know this guy better start making some catches, or he you should bench this guy. You remember, wasn't that the I, talk with the, with the rookies in Green Bay? Was the one guy dropped the ball, and he's like, "This guy needs to get out of
0: here." Like, we we can't have this. I think you're going to see Aaron Rodgers bending over backwards to be appealing. I agree with that.
1: Uh, yeah, I think in his in his own way, and yes, I I agree with with Dan. You know, the one thing about quarterbacks are they are master politicians, and You know, when they need to read a room, they need need to turn on the charm. They're bright, they're charming. They they all have all the good ones have that same ability. You know, it's like you know Lamar Jackson, right? Like you see him buying ice cream for everybody in 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 his neighborhood. Right? He goes up and and he says, "Come back tomorrow, and we'll we'll do it again." Like when they want to when they want to turn on the charm, you're like, "I I love this guy. I don't even like his team, but I love this guy." (laughs) It's just what they can do. My, it, it's actually part of the job. My guess the on Rogers
0: is if if he would have if they would have done this say last year with the Packers or maybe the yep. year before, that he would have been defiant. He would have tried to have gotten his word out, but done, not defiant to the NFL Network, but to the Packers to express his frustration. But I also wonder, say like the you know I am immunized sort of thing. Because it is an NFL product, I'm wondering on like how much that would have come out, and it didn't come out at training camp. We found out about it later in the year when he, you know, tested positive or whatever. But like, you know, how much would the NFL actually allow you to go down that road before they'd be like, hold on a second? Um, I'm not sure about that. We won't have an answer because they weren't at, you know, Lambeau Field for Hard Knocks, but. Yeah. I yeah, I don't. I
1: don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, at the end of the day, you still work for the NFL Network, yeah. right? You still work for the NFL. And he's done everything that he's. he's
0: I mean, going to Nick Games, yeah, you know, concerts. He's seen everywhere when he was MIA for a lot of the last couple of years with the Packers.
4: Where do you think that? Um, where do you think the sentiment comes from that uh, hard knock should go away? Because I remember it was Middlecoff who first said it on this show, and I remember it kind of taking Doug by surprise, like. Middle cough was like, yeah, that needs to go away. And I'm like, what? I hadn't heard that. And then I tuned into the herd like the next day and heard saying the same thing. And then I've heard it from insiders and whatnot along the way. And I have a theory. Remember when the Cowboys and Dak Prescott were on and Hard Knocks was literally breaking stories before, like even beat writers were, about Dak's condition uh, for the next game or what have you? I think there was some resentment built up there. I think that... NFL people and NFL coaches don't want hard knocks around because they're telling the truth about their product. And I think maybe guys like Middlecoff are just taking a lead from that because what Dan said is you have a – or maybe Doug said it – you have a third party doing a documentary on your product and anything could happen. Any controversy could happen. When you do the in-house stuff that's boring because it's team-sanctioned and they have final approval – I don't know. I don't know why you would want hard knocks to go away as just somebody interested in you know finding out how things really are. So where where's the sentiment against it? I wonder.
1: I mean, supposedly it comes from coaches and front of office people who just don't want the. They just don't want the distraction. They want it to be about like we have to win football games. How does this help us win football games?
4: And that—that's I, I, a fact. I'm just wondering why the media has picked up on that. Why—why why there have been people that have been stating that for the for the NFL? It's weird. The
6: midway.
0: No one's saying it for young Sheldon, although the guy's like 21 now or something. Like, <laughs> oh, I will say this. You want to talk about value of hard knocks? They've had two seasons of in-season of hard knocks that has gotten zero pub. Yet all we talk about is who's going to be on the training camp. Like they they've done a, the was it the Cardinals and Colts were the last yes two that have done it and nobody's watched at all. I've watched one episode maybe of both of those seasons.
3: Is this is one of the interesting things about the preseason one. Is people getting cut. Yes. Like yep. taking him into the office, and the coach is like, hey man, we really love the way you play, but uh sorry,
0: just doesn't fit with us and good luck. And it's like, whoa, and, man.
1: And it's the best part of the
0: whole thing. Yeah. Yes. And during the season, you don't want to reveal gameplay stuff, but all you do for these weeks is practice. That's all you do. Practice and meetings. So that's where yeah. like your content comes. Like if it's a game week. What are you going to show the guys? Flying on the plane? You know, like you see that once, then it's over with, and then you land the next day, and then one day's an off day, and maybe do a charitable event, you know, charity event. And there's not a lot happening during the season that is compelling. It's you know, what's it's, happening well, training camp
1: that is. You know what I find uh, I love the shot the sprinkler shot they do every year. Where you have those you have those uh portable sprinklers and they go. Painting the lines. Painting the lines, right? Uh, go to the equipment room and they're they're more. Yeah, they're fixing they're fixing the helmets. Right. It's like the iconic shots is like, do you want to use the stock footage or you want to use a new one? Well I gotta use a new one. Somebody will point out that this is like from five years ago. It's amazing. Uh, so hard knocks no. Hard knocks yes, SBs no, correct? Correct. I thought, I, honestly, the best line of the whole thing is Dan Beyer go, saying, you know, do they say, oh, he had, he that won was two Jason. championships. That was Jason. That oh, was Jason. Yeah. Two yeah. championships, five All-Stars, and three ESPYs. If you don't know how many SBs any of the stars, wore, anyone ever won. Yeah. I like, this is long before they gave the, didn't they give Kendall, Kendall Jenner the... Uh, yes. Uh, uh, lifetime uh, Achievement? Or? No, it wasn't Lifetime Achievement. It Martha was... Arthur Rash? The Arthur Ashe Award Award for Courage. courage.
0: There there are there are, okay, you ready for this? Quickly, I know we got to run. There are let's see, one, two, three. Okay, there are five teams that have won multiple Best Team team awards. Mm. Okay, multiple occasions. Do you guys want to guess? Try to guess the five real quick. Uh, One from Major League Baseball, three from the NBA, and one from elsewhere. I'll just lakers
4: put it that elsewhere way. spurs lakers is one
1: world women's world cup yes three
0: time champion the us women's national wow. team is a three time winner of
4: best team that's all you that's all you need to know about the others.
0: there you go uh yankees there, there, have won it three times lakers twice heat twice and uh, golden state warriors have won it twice yankees if i didn't mention three times yeah, those are the five teams that have won it multiple times. They're not catering to any popular fan bases at all, or
1: no, not, not no, at all.
0: no agendas at all with that. That's <laughs> legit. No, no, no. The midway I for them to go, the five and twelve Cleveland Browns, no. get on up here and get your award.
1: Fan, fan women's favorite. World Cup three time team of the year. That's that's an all timer. That's an all timer. They're going for the fourth, right? Coming up. Uh, well, they haven't. They didn't win the World Cup last time which is crazy considering how far ahead women in the united states were from other women in other countries right that's that's the crazy part about in terms of opportunity sports opportunities but yeah it's that's a that's an amazing amazing stat be sure to catch the live edition of the doug gottlieb
2: show weekdays at 3 p.m eastern noon pacific
5: this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen
1: it's the Doug Gottlieb Show. It's Fox Sports Radio. It's coming to you live from the Tyrack.com studios. One of my favorite dudes that covers the league is Vinny Bonsignor. Um, when he was in LA, he covered the Rams and they moved him he moved to Vegas, and now he covers the entire league. And he covers obviously the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Was in Vegas over the weekend. God, that that town just continues to get better and better and better. Vinny B joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb show. Um, I'm sure everybody in Sin City is a buzz with now we know. What, now we know who uh, who did him in from the league, from the NFLPA. What's give me your biggest takeaway when you read some of those documents about John Gruden's ouster and what led to it with the NFL, the Commanders, and the NFLPA.
6: Yeah, and uh, first of all, thanks for having me. And it, it was a big weekend uh, here in Las Vegas, but it's like every weekend turned out to be a big, big weekend here. It's, it's amazing how this market has grown. And it was great to see you out here. Um, there's so many different layers to this particular story because you know there's the Washington Commanders side of it, and Doug, uh, or, excuse me, uh, and, and Daniel Snyder. Um, there's the NFL side of it. There's there's Roger Goodell who, if you re- read the emails, um, you know John Gruden didn't have very nice words to say uh, about John Gruden, and that could cry, create some animosity from from Roger Goodell to maybe want to take down John Gruden. There's the Raiders' perspective. Here they were, right in the middle of a really what was shaping up to be a pretty good season, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, the league drops the bombshell on their laps and says. Deal with it. Get rid of your coach or else type of a thing. And, you know, then there's the John Gruden perspective of, all right, why now and why just me when there's probably all kinds of emails that are out there uh, that are discriminatory, uh, uh, you know, from or by plenty of people in the league. So why am I being targeted right now? So um, there's so many different layers and directions that this story uh, can can go in or has gone in. And at the end of the day, what this is ultimately going to come down to is, from John Gruden's perspective, and I know, and I've talked to John about this, is who did him wrong? And there's no condoning what he said, what he wrote. Uh, He used language um, and descriptions of people and groups of people uh, that are not not acceptable uh, at all, Uh, not even uh, in the slightest bit. Uh, But at the end of the day, what he's thinking is, I was venting to a friend, And all of a sudden, 10 years later, they come to light, and I lose my job and my reputation over this. I want to know who did that to me.
1: And now he knows.
6: I don't know if he knows. Because there's what they did in that story was, uh, I think he thinks he knows, um, but I think in that story, if you read that story today, uh, it it was kind of like JFK, the movie JFK, where they, they throw out all these plausible possibilities uh, from various groups from the NFL Players Association to the NFL to Roger Goodell uh, to Daniel Snyder, maybe it was him, and they all looked pretty good in terms of the motives. And you can see, like, yeah, I, I can see how that that group or that person uh, would want to be behind this for whatever various reasons that there are. Uh, but at the end of the day, one person or persons person did this, and John got caught in the middle of it and lost his job. And, and what he claims is also his reputation that he's probably never going to get back um, to the point that it was when all this came out. And I don't think he's going to spare one cent uh, in terms of the quest to find out who that person was.
1: Fascinating stuff. Um, what? How does DeMora Smith come out looking in this?
6: Well, I mean, um, you know, from a from a very human standpoint, uh, the, the, the words that John Gruden used uh, in, in you know, in talking about uh, Smith, again, that's it's it's unacceptable. And uh, and and even in this story, uh, if you put yourself in his shoes, there would be reason for him to want to take John Gruden down after if somebody showed him those emails uh, and showed him how John Gruden was talking about him in these emails, you could see that that he'd be like, okay, great, I'm going to release these emails to the Wall Street Journal or New York Times uh, and, and, and take John Gruden down. So, uh, but we don't know that to be the case. And he's never, I mean, I, in this story, apparently he's bragged to people uh, that it was, that it was uh, him who did it. Um, so there's, there's, there's that part of it uh, as well. Uh, But, you know, I I really believe that John thinks that it was somebody from the league and and somebody, obviously, that's what his lawsuit uh, is claiming. What's really also interesting about it is from the Raiders' perspective, if you're Mark Davis um, and you you find out that the league knew about these emails all the way, like, months before they actually came out. And his whole thing, from, from the very beginning... Was he doesn't agree with anything that John Gruden said, obviously, uh, and what John Gruden said in those emails was deplorable, and it goes against everything uh, that 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 Mark Davis and this organization, his organization, has stood for for years in terms of inclusion and, and all of that, and uh, you know minority rights and, and everything, moving things forward. They're, they've been at the forefront of all of that, so there's no defending anything that John Gruden said, but in his from his perspective, and I and I I, I side with him on this is why in October of a promising season, my first learning about this, and essentially being told, you got to deal with this, i.e., fire your coach right now, when something could have been done months before, had the NFL just come to John Gruden and, and Mark Davis long before training camp even started and said, hey, we got a problem, and we, it needs to be dealt with. Uh, and, and I think that Mark Davis and the Raiders would have handled it accordingly, uh, long before the season started, so that it didn't, in the middle of a season, sap, you know, potentially sabotage that. Uh, you know what what, what they were what, what they were working toward, and that's been his complaint from the from the very beginning. Like number one, you hand this to me on a Friday, before uh, two days before a game, uh, in the middle of the season, and are starting to tell me you got to deal with this, you got to handle it. He never had a chance to really look into things himself, do his own due diligence, have his own investigation uh, into his coach, who, by the way, was a good friend of his as well. He was told over the course of about 72 hours, you got to get rid of your coach. And that's the bottom line. And that's what ultimately happened after the first email came out on a Friday. And then on Monday, a slew of emails came out, which basically backed the Raiders into a corner. There was nothing that they could do at that point other than ask for John's resignation and to this day, I think Mark Davis is like, this should have been handled better, and I should have been given a little bit more respect as an owner to handle my business for my team in a manner that I wanted to at a uh, in a time frame that I wanted to, rather than being rushed and pressured into this kind of a decision.
1: Fascinating. Fascinating stuff. And then, you know, now you look at where the Raiders are after a disappointing year, after that unbelievable turnaround, even that season, and it's just a, it just been, been curious, and this gives us a little bit more sense. Um, what do you think of how the league handled the Daniel Snyder aspect of it and how that affected their handling of Gruden?
6: Yeah, and, and that's another interesting uh, point, because, you know, there is a theory that that maybe Daniel Snyder was the one who was behind leaking the emails in order to take attention away from what was going on with his, with his team. When, in fact, the irony of it all is, if it did go down, let's just say for argument's sake it did go down that way, what ultimately happened was it raised even more. <laughs> it put even more of a spotlight on what was going on with Washington. Because if you remember... The league came down with a suspension, and they penalized uh, Snyder, and he was not going to be able to be part of the daily activities for, what, about a year or two? I forget exactly how long the suspension was going to be, but they dealt with it. They did this big investigation. These were the penalties that they determined um, fit the crime, and everyone moved on with their lives. And In fact, I never really thought about it much from the, from the point of time when, when the penalty was levied, levied uh, you know, I, I just moved on with my life. I feel like everyone else did. But then when these John Gruden emails came out, everyone kind of retroactively looked back and said, hey, what really did happen in Washington, including, by the way, Congress, right? which ultimately said, hey, we need to look, out, we look in, we we'll, we'll take a deeper look into what actually happened. And that's when the commissioner had to go testify in front of Congress uh, and, you know, members of the commanders and the league office. And all of a sudden, that started the wheels in motion for people saying, you know what, whatever suspension that the NFL handed down to, uh, to Daniel Sider did not fit the crime, there needed to be more. And that started the wheels in motion, him ultimately having to sell his team. So if he did this to take attention away or to divert attention, it had a complete opposite attack, uh, uh, effect because ultimately what happened is more people decided to take a deeper look into what was going on with his team.
1: Um, uh, let, let, let's focus just Vin- Vinny Bonsignor from the Las Vegas Review Journal he covers the entire NFL but also focuses a lot of his attention on the Raiders we're talking about the Seth Wickersham article from ESPN.com which you can read it's kind of uh, everybody in the NFL is talking about it is buzzing about I do want to ask you quickly about the Raiders uh, and the kind of curious story of the oft injured Jimmy Garoppolo being injured yet again and the uninsurable contract w- What's what's the feeling in Sin City about whether or not they upgraded, downgraded, what they did at the quarterback position.
6: Yeah, and, and I think in their mind, um, they hope that they upgraded uh, kind of in, in, on the fringes a little bit at quarterback. Uh, when you look at, when you break down all the statistics, uh, you know, Jimmy G is just better in the red zone. Uh, he's better in, in certain situations than Derek Carr was. And I think what the Raiders feel like is that he elevates the efficiency level. Uh, of this offense because of his knowledge of the offense, just kind of uh, his, his, his demeanor, the way he plays. Um, and they feel like, in some ways, they've raised the level of efficiency. However, and they also are paying him far less than what, than what Derek Carr was going to make uh, this year when his extension uh, you know, went into effect. They, they saved that off by releasing him before, before the extension uh, actually went into effect. The problem with that is, potentially, Jimmy G just doesn't stay healthy. So uh, you're, you're banking, if you're the Raiders, on him playing a full season, something he's done quite infrequently uh, during his career. If he's able to stay on the field and you look at the weapons that he has to work with, there should be no reason why this isn't a very explosive offense. Keeping him on the field and keeping him healthy, uh, that's, that's a whole other issue. And right now, um, we don't even know if he's going to be ready necessarily for training camp. He still has to pass the physical. Uh, which he was unable to pass in March. That's why they wrote the contract the way they wrote it. Uh, if he can't pass the physical, uh, then they could walk away scot free from this contract. I don't expect it to come to that. There's no one that I'm talking to that feels like it's it's moving in that direction. It's kind of the opposite. Uh, and Jimmy G was a man about town during the Golden Knights run. He and many of his teammates uh, were were of quite a few of those uh, you know Stanley Cup playoff games. He's buying players' shots, teammates' shots, and the left foot, by the way, was intact. It was attached to his leg, so uh, there was no walking boot. There was no scooter, no nothing. He was walking around like a normal human being. Of course, there's a big difference between just walking around uh, and actually playing and being cleared to play uh, NFL football. So that's the big question right now is when is he going to take this physical? If he hasn't already, and maybe he has, and we just they're not obligated to tell us, that right now, Uh, and and if he hasn't taken it, when's it going to happen? Is he going to pass it, and is he going to be ready to start training camp or soon after?
1: Awesome stuff. Vinny Bonson here from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Vinny, you're the best. Thanks for joining us.
6: Thank you. Have a good one. Fox
2: Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Until now through May 14th. Visit slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, Owen oh, Two Door Cinema Club.